When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go Away U Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And U Street. Hey y'all. Well, we're still not done with football. I keep waiting for the week that we don't have football content, but, uh, you know, f- filling out a coaching staff and another uh, transfer portal image uh, situation gives us the opportunity to talk a bit about football. So let's do that real quick. Uh, starting with the coach, uh, Brick Haley is your new defensive line coach for the Minnesota Gophers. Dude has an absolutely insane amount of experience, and you have now reached the end of my knowledge about Brick Haley. Uh, you know, Andy, what are your what are your thoughts on this hire for Coach Fleck? Yeah, I mean, they definitely went out and uh, you know used whatever quote-unquote cost savings they may have saved uh, by by hiring uh, Danny Collins and, and Greg Harbo as the uh, tight ends and, and safeties coach on, on Haley. And as you said, Haley does have an impressive list. He's been uh, over 30 years of assistant coaching experience, um, was uh, D-line coach most recently at Missouri, uh, where um, you know Eli Drinkowitz let him go after one year sort of as a scapegoat. Uh, not coincidentally, Missouri's defensive line stats went down last year, the year after Haley wasn't on the, with the program. Uh, but he's Texas, LSU, Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, Baylor. Uh, spent a few years as the D-line coach for the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, he's definitely got a lot of experience and a lot of experience working with, with defensive linemen. So, um, you know, the hope is that he's a he's a good recruiter, can go out and, and get, some, uh, get some steals for Minnesota over the next year or so and uh, can teach up some of these young guys that we got. Um, you know, the defensive line went from being a, a relative strength to, to potential weakness. Uh, now we've added three or four uh, older transfers back in, so it's not going to be necessarily just the young guys that are going to have to do the work, but uh, hopefully Haley can coach them back up and, and get this D-line to close to where they were a year ago. Before we talk about one of those older guys, Street, is this, you know, fit the mold of what you would want to see coming in as a, as a D-line coach filling a hole? Sure. <laughs> I to be slightly less facetious I similarly know very little about Brick Haley seems like a good dude your position coaches are guys who you want to go out and recruit and form relationships if he's successful at that great obviously they also should be coaching in in meetings and in individual teamwork. I have no reason to believe that he can't do that. Certainly he's been around at a lot of top programs. So all of those things seem good. I will continue to be of the view that while they matter a lot, as long as the top structure stays the same, 
what you're going to see on the field is going to look pretty similar. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, and if Brick Haley turns out to be uh, some weird mastermind and, you know, transports us to a, uh, an uh, SEC-level defensive line, so much the better. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that brings us to defensive tackle transfer Chris Smith from Harvard. Uh, was an all-Ivy um, League uh, selection last year. And at this point, you know, you got to feel like the Gophers feel pretty good about uh, how much experience uh, and age uh, they've brought in to fill the defensive line out a little bit, uh, given, you know, the loss of Niles Pickney and uh, Micah Dutredaway. Uh You know, Andy, any any final thoughts? As I would assume this is the last of the defensive tackle acquisitions for the Gophers. Yeah, I think that's got to be probably pretty close to correct. Uh, you know, the Gophers have already added uh, the other Clemson transfer, Jeffries, and um, they added uh, Sergers from Vanderbilt, and now, now Chris Smith. Uh, Smith had offers transfer offers along with uh, the Gophers from Virginia, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Vanderbilt. Um, so, you know, it, it, not necessarily the top tier programs of the world, but Virginia, Virginia Tech have had pretty good teams the last few years. So uh, decent, you know, uh, teams that Minnesota is going with. And, and this is one that I think that they, you know, they sort of sought out with. Um, since Smith put his name in the portal, his, uh, you know, Minnesota has been uh, sort of flirting with him Whoever and finally got him on campus last weekend. Uh, the transition and D line coaches apparently didn't uh, didn't change anything because he he's definitely uh, committed to Minnesota uh, earlier on Wednesday after uh, PJ Fleck had an in house with him uh, earlier this week. So um, you know it's another big body in front. I mean you've got your your older guys uh, where you're going to have uh, Jeffries and and Smith and and Sergers. Uh, D'Angelo Carter's still going to be, he's sort of the, you know, the present older guys is he's going to be a junior next year, clogging up the middle. Um, and then you've got some of the younger guys who we're going to have to see between Ja Joyner and Devin Eastern and Jalen Logan Redding, who can, who can show up. So, uh, the good news is, is at least Minnesota appears to have decent depth back in the defensive line. Now we don't know exactly how good that depth is, uh, but they do have, you know, probably a legitimate too deep yet again. So, um, you know, between that and, and the secondary transfers they've added and, and uh, you know, the relatively still deep linebacker room, uh, you know, the, there's a legitimate too deep on this entire defense now. Uh, now it's just going to be up to, to spring ball and then later in fall camp to prove uh, who deserves to be on the field and who is a legitimate backup can you put out there and not uh, not lose too much of a difference. Can I note a possible reason why this guy wanted to come to Minnesota? Sure, go for it. Well, he was at uh, a very low-ranked academic institution and wanted to have an academically rigorous experience. <laughs> Harvard noted uh, uh, safety school that it is. Well, can I? Add, this is this thing. I know this isn't the biggest thing in terms of our podcast or whatever. But yeah, getting into Harvard is very difficult. But the actual Harvard educational experience, and I happen to have a fair number of friends who have gone through it and have gone from other Ivies and whatnot, is actually really not that challenging. It's substantially harder to fail out of Harvard than to like get all A's at Harvard. 
So if you actually want, you know, a, a true academic experience, maybe maybe he was maybe he was looking looking for a Big Ten academic experience. He'd had enough of this lazy lazy Ivy education. You're poking a, a, a big hole in the mystique here, Street. Well, we should strongly poke a hole in the mystique of Harvard. The skulls are going to come for you, son. I I mean, whatever. They already have the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, basketball. Uh, you know, last week we were on the precipice of a uh, upset over Michigan State, watching the men nearly upstate. Uh, excuse me, the men nearly upset uh, a ranked Michigan State team. Uh, then over the weekend, uh, a completely uh, undermanned uh, Minnesota team rallied from twenty-three down to nearly uh, come back to beat Iowa uh, before falling by ten. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like we're in the best kind of broken record, which is this Minnesota team remains a team that plays hard and if they're shooting well enough is annoying to beat. Uh, Am I missing anything, Street? That and they're not that talented, no. Uh, And that's not, to be clear, it sounds insulting, but it's not meant to be. It's just this year with the big transition and who they had to bring in, this is not a team that we expected at the beginning of the year to be competitive in the Big Ten. It was great that they had the non-conference they did. I completely agree with you, Chris, and I've said it before as well, that for this season what you want to see is a team that's competing, that has a strong identity behind – competing throughout a game and the Iowa game was a good example of this because when they got down a bunch I frankly sort of threw in the towel for them and began well this is a recap that I'll be able to finish with you know eight minutes to go in the game kind of thing the Iowa I think eased up a little bit at least at the beginning of the run but Minnesota goes on a 22 to 6 run to pull in, uh, to get it to a two-possession game. Jameson Battle makes a fantastic three from the logo, almost, to make it a one-possession game. They are unlucky in two respects. One, they are unlucky. I think it's the possession before. Peyton Willis misses a dunk. Yeah, he was probably fouled. Uh, but nonetheless missed that dunk and Iowa went down and, and got points on the other end. I think if Jay, I think if Peyton Willis had made that dunk, I actually think that Minnesota wins. And then Keegan Murray, who unfortunately is very good at basketball and also doesn't play for the Gophers, made a three that he had no business making very late because unfortunately good players will, will do that to you and that sort of sends it out. But Playing really undermanned and watching the compete level, yes, the compete level was not there earlier in the game. The reason why they lose a game is because you go down 20-plus points, hard to win basketball games. But I've been hardened by that. I was similarly hardened in the Michigan State game where Michigan State, for basically every position on the floor, with the exception of Jameson Battle, I think has been exceptional this year. And I see no reason why that won't continue, such that... I think it's reasonable that he might be a second team all big tenor this year. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal. Just so much better than I expected to. But outside of Jameson Battle, it's hard for me to be like, oh, I'm gonna take a bunch of the gophers over the Michigan State route roster on paper. Nonetheless, consistent compete, consistent push, 
Ben Johnson is calling uh, really impressive games. I think the Gophers are executing as well as they can on that. For a team that admittedly is 1-5 in conference play, and I expect them to lose a fair number of conference games throughout, I think they're also playing like a team that is better than their record. And frankly, as far as year zero under the Coach Ben Johnson era, that's all I'm looking for. So, you know, they, they were supposed to be playing uh, Penn State uh, this week. Obviously, that game postponed due to COVID-related situation uh, on the Minnesota side of things. Everybody get healthy, please. Uh, but that game, at this point, has not been rescheduled, correct? I mean, it's postponed, not forfeited, but they haven't figured out where to slot that. Am I correct in, in remembering that? Andy is our schedule guru, but that's my understanding. That that is correct. It's it's still technically just postponed. The Big Ten hasn't figured out how to fit all those games in yet, which um, they'll have to do eventually, obviously. But you know, it's it's a it's a disappointing because you know, obviously, it's a Big Ten road game, but it's at Penn State. That's a game that you know inherently was winnable on the schedule. Um, the other thing, which is worried, their next game as of right now is scheduled for Saturday morning, 11 a.m. tip against Rutgers at the Barn. Um, in theory, the Gophers should be able to play as long as they don't have a ton of players. They're still dealing with symptoms, and it didn't sound like they, they were because the five-day quarantine period should be good for the uh, the players that missed the Iowa game. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. The Penn State game got postponed because after additional testing, the Gophers dropped below that seven uh, scholarship limit. So, uh, you know, who else tested positive and who may not be cleared by the time uh, the Saturday game comes around? Is that Battle? Is that Willis? Is that some of the other really key players for Minnesota to, to have a legitimate shot against Rutgers on Saturday? Uh, we don't know. That hasn't been announced, and we probably won't know until, until you know, late Friday or early Saturday who's been cleared and who might actually be able to play. So that's something they're going to have to look at. But admittedly, after that, I mean, that, that Rutgers game, and, and Rutgers is a decent team. They're in the middle of the pack. They're basically uh, playing even with Iowa right now as this game, or which we're recording this. But after that, you play Ohio State at home, you go to Wisconsin, you get Purdue at home, you go to Iowa. So there's four relatively hard games in a row before then you get Nebraska and Penn State, uh, you know, more winnable games. So, um It'll, it'll be it'll be tough to see you know the other thing is is obviously you're gonna have to squeeze that other Penn State game and I'm not, I haven't looked at Penn State schedule but Minnesota the longest break they have the rest of the season uh, they have a they have a four day break between uh, Tuesday the 15th they play at Ohio State and Saturday the 19th they host Northwestern otherwise it's you know all three days or less in between games. So uh, assuming that Penn State game can get rescheduled in the middle somewhere, um, you know, they're they're going to have two or three games in, in, you know, three, four or five days. So um, there's unfortunately not much you can do about that, but uh, it's just another thing that the, the Gophers will have to deal with uh, and, their, and their shortened roster. You know, turning the attention to the women, um, where 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 are we right now? I mean, it feels like we're in a holding pattern, hoping that next year, uh, Lindsey Whalen's well-regarded class can can inject some some life into a program that is uh, just honestly still struggling in the post. Seemingly, is that a fair assessment? Yes. 
there is not too much to say beyond that. I mean, Minnesota lost a couple of games, both of which are winnable. This team continues to have real problems coming out from the second half. The third quarter has been a bane under Whalen's tenure so far. I think it is fair thinking at a macro picture that next year that seat should be hot. I'm not saying it's so hot that she should be fired or something if she doesn't make the tournament necessarily, but I do think it should be hot because, as you said, they are bringing in uh, consistent talent. Next year they have a fantastic class, but also on the recruiting trail, at least on paper, they're bringing in good players. They just have yet to find a consistent low post presence on offense, but far more importantly on defense, and so they are just getting killed night in and night out at any team that has really solid bigs and they're not shooting well enough from the outside on offense to to make it work the other way. So it is un, it is unfortunate because Minnesota is a program that I think should have the reasonable expectation of competing if not making the tournament every single year. There is the institutional resources for Minnesota for that, and there is also the underlying fan support in the Twin Cities that if the team goes on a run and wins wins a few games consistently, the barn will fill up to go watch women's basketball. That's not true in a lot of places. I think it is true at Minnesota. And so it does start to become reasonable to ask, at what point do you accept what currently is sub-mediocrity? And I suspect that has to start running out reasonably shortly. Well, you're something... Uh... There's a nice turnaround because it would be a much better story if Lindsey Whalen uh, succeeded. Uh, and obviously, I, you know, Street, I know you're, you and Andy are both in, in agreement of that assessment. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's a it's a frustrating thing to watch from the outside and just have it be, oh, okay, so they're up. What quarter is it? Third quarter? Uh, well, talk to me in a half hour. See see how we're doing. And yeah. No. And Thursday night, I mean, if you if you are interested in go for women's basketball, a game will be on BTN. Uh, you will see one of the best players in the nation. Unfortunately, she'll be wearing the the black and gold of the Iowa Hawkeye uniform, not the uh, maroon and gold. But uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, sophomore she's guard, so good. yeah, she's ridiculously good. And so, um, if if you are looking for something to do, seven p.m. tip Thursday evening, either head down to the barn or or watch on Big Ten Network because um, uh, they're they're. I'm assuming Minnesota will put Sarah Scally on her and. And just try and contain her as much as possible. But uh, she's ridiculously good, and uh, you know, so it should be uh, fun to fun to watch her play Thursday night. I have one word for you: stickers. You need stickers from Homefield Apparel. I have recently purchased uh, basically their entire supply, or at least their entire line of stickers. There's a fantastic Tulane Green Wave. They now have a Slippery Rock University, Rocky the Rock, in some sort of fur coat with a pennant. Go to homefieldapparel.com to check it out. You're going to love these stickers. And, of course, there's all the comfortable, fantastic apparel. I also gave some of that for Christmas to my family and uh if you want to ring in the new year with some comfortable sweatshirts 
homefieldapparel.com is the place to go. Make sure to use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's homefieldapparel.com, code DAILYGOPHER. All right, well, it's time, it's time that we got there. Gophers Hockey, your weekend. Woof. I know Andy's got thoughts. We're going we're gonna to get there in a minute. I would like to uh, ask Blake a hockey question, but we're going to give it to Street. Uh, Street, let me pick your brain on this one. True or false, it is extremely bad when Minnesota loses to Hockey Bear. <laughs> I, I would guess true. Yeah. Losing to Alaska. I remember last week when, you know, Andy was laying out a preview and I said, well, you know, we got some things that aren't looking great right now, but hey, at least it's only Alaska. And Andy said, well, unless they lose. And I started in my head, I was laughing because it was fucking Alaska. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so... Andy, let's talk about that. Um, the fuck? Please please explain. Well, um, the Justin Close era has begun, and, um, I mean, there, there, there is a reason why he was the number three goalie. Um, he's serviceable, but is he the type of goalie that's going to lead you to a, a Big Ten championship? No, no, he's not. I mean, he's, he's, he's good. Um and he did get his, his first career win 4-1 on Friday night as the Gophers beat Alaska. Unfortunately, uh, we saw what happened Saturday as uh, he saw what a, a really good goalie can do as Minnesota dropped uh, the finale 3-2 as Griggles, the uh, the Latvian goalie from Alaska, stood on his head all night making several great saves and, and shut down Minnesota's offense. Um you know, and, and close left up, gave up, uh, you know, at least one weaker goal, and, and that was the difference. Um, you know, th- this team is sort of in, in fluctuation and in turmoil right now, obviously. And and the problem is, is this is the point of the season where they really need to, to make hay. For our listeners who are not regularly watching the hockey team, why would you say that right now the team is in turmoil? Well, as as we said, I mean, we talked about it before. Jack Lafontaine, your your starting goalie for the last year and a half. Um, well, he's he's now in Carolina playing professional hockey, which, by the way, his debut didn't go so hot, um, as he got left out to dry by uh, by the Hurricanes and gave up two goals on three shots in his NHL debut of a of a third period. Um, so you're dealing with, and it seems like the team is, is rallied around Justin Close, but like I said, when Justin Close was brought onto this team, he's the he's the number three goalie. He was brought in to be the practice goalie. He was never brought in to actually legitimately see action in games. Um, you've got your what was supposed to be your backup goalie, Brennan Boynton, who was brought in after excelling in the USHL last year for Fargo. Uh, he hasn't played a single second. Um, he's been dealing with injuries and illness, and he didn't even dress last weekend because apparently he was dealing with some other illness that apparently is not COVID-related. Uh, but that's the second time he's had a non-COVID-related illness and missed an entire weekend this year. So uh, there's definitely some questions going on there. Uh, Minnesota brought in as a new third goalie uh, their top goalie recruit, who is expected to come in either next season or the year after, Owen Bartoskevich from the USHL. Um, 
who I think Minnesota would love to not be able to play this season and be able to redshirt and keep a year of eligibility. Uh, we'll see whether that happens, and a lot's going to depend on how Justin Close can do down here over the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> Add that to the fact that you've got two series left with your two leading scorers and your best defenseman before they go head to China for three weeks. Uh, you cross your fingers, it's three weeks after what's going on COVID-related in Beijing at the moment. Um, and suddenly this team has got to do things now. Uh, they get that opportunity with Michigan coming in for a huge series this weekend. Uh, we'll really see quickly if Justin Close can keep these games close against a Michigan team that, in theory, as far as we can tell, will still be fully loaded. All of their Olympians, including the, the two Canadians, should still be there. Um, with has five, six first-round NFL draft picks on the roster. Uh, we'll see how Justin Close does against a team of this capability this weekend. If Michigan sweeps Minnesota, Basically, the season's pretty much done. The Gophers are done in the Big Ten, and they're going to have to probably figure out a way to run the table in the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, just losing that one game to Alaska brought them from a relatively safe and cushy eighth in the pairwise down to 12th, which places them squarely on the bubble. Um, and so they've got no margin for error. You've got to beat the teams you've got to beat, which at least the rest of the season coming down the stretch, that's probably the Michigan States and the Penn States and the Wisconsins of the world. And you have to at least hold serve against the Michigans and the Ohio States and the Notre Dames. They get Michigan and Notre Dame the next two weeks with all their players on the roster before before they head out to the Olympics. So uh, bare minimum, the Gophers need splits the next two weekends. I think if they, if they get swept either by Michigan or at Notre Dame, uh, Unfortunately, this team that had legitimate NCAA tournament, legitimate NCAA championship aspirations, you can pretty much put the fork in them here in a, in a week or two if things go poorly. I'd love to say we could switch over to the women and, and, and uh, really enjoy the conversation, but somehow they managed to break what was, what, five days away from being a decade-long streak of no losses uh, to Minnesota no, State Mankato? Try, try five days away from 15 years. Oh, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, the, uh, the, the Gopher women uh, beat Minnesota State Mankato 7-2 to two in, in ridiculously easy form Friday night, as, as they have done for the past 15 years. Um, and, and then they went out and, I mean, sleepwalking is being way too nice to what they did in the first period on Saturday. I, I don't know if like they just got happy and complacent or what but uh minnesota state was by far the best team on the ice on saturday uh minnesota got skated out of their own rink they looked horrible and oh by the way they have three goalies on the roster and and not one of them would you say is confidently a number one goalie uh lauren bench got the start on saturday and got yanked after giving up three goals on five shots uh, in the first period, she couldn't stop anything. Now, admittedly, um, most of those were on odd person rushes because I'm not sure what the Gopher defense was doing, but it wasn't playing defense. Um, take that back. The Gophers clawed their way back, forced overtime, but Minnesota State got the uh, got the winner in overtime, 5-4 win. The first time that Minnesota State had beaten the Gophers since January 20th, 2007. 63 straight games. The Gophers had won 53 straight. Uh, they tied Minnesota State in 2009. 
Um, but yeah, first first game in 63 games against a team you play bare minimum four times a year, if not more than that, uh, that they, they finally lost. So yeah, things are going great. Oh, by the way, number one Wisconsin comes into Ritter Arena this weekend, and the Gophers took five out of six points for them in Madison. And they've already—I've already seen several articles online saying uh, we're out for revenge this weekend. So uh, if the Gopher women don't wake the f up, it could be real ugly this weekend. I promise you, friends, listeners, we have a good note to end on. The gymnastics team is still very, very good. Andy, expand on that for me. Yeah, no, uh, gymnastics opened their season Monday with a, a big tri-meet. It was just supposed to be a dual meet between uh, Minnesota and UCLA, uh, but they uh, graciously allowed Iowa to show up after Iowa's own meet at Georgia got canceled due to COVID issues down with the Bulldogs. Um, but Minnesota uh, pulled off the win, uh, knocking off number 8 UCLA and number 17 Iowa. The Gophers ranked number 9 in the in the preseason polls uh they had previously been 0 and 14 all time against ucla and gymnastics uh that's now 1 and 14 so um that was it was quite impressive uh minnesota led the way by lexi rambler who is the goat the all-time best gymnast in, in minnesota history it's not even close uh she was awarded the first big 10 gymnast of the week award on monday um it's only the 19th of her career also a Big Ten record. That's okay. I mean, that's a that's okay, I guess. Yeah, it, it's okay. Uh, she scored uh, thirty seven or thirty nine point seven. That's out of a total of forty. Uh, Nine point nine five on both the beam and the parallel bars. Um, that nine point thirty nine point seven. By the way, the highest score in the nation so far yet this season. Um, yeah, she good. Um, and we'll get a another good view, I mean, of where the Gophers really stand. Their next uh, meet, Monday night at the PAV. Uh, defending national champion and number one Michigan comes into the PAV for the first dual meet against the Gophers at the PAV for, I don't know, probably seven or eight years. Um, these are the two best teams in, in Big Ten gymnastics. They will finish 1-2 in some order um, at, at the Big Ten championships. They... You know, Michigan has legitimate NCAA championships. Minnesota, as a team, they just don't have the depth. Uh, but Ramler, Ona Loper, um, Maya Hooten have legitimate uh, chances for, for NCAA individual honors and, and all around for, for Loper and for Ramler. So uh, there's going to be a lot of gymnastic talent on the floor at the PAV Monday night. So I would suggest you go check it out if you can. Otherwise, I believe that we'll, it will air live on BTN, so you can watch it on that as well. But, um, you know, we always sort of used to brag like three or four years ago about uh, how we were a volleyball school when the football team was struggling and the basketball and the hockey teams were struggling. We, we currently are a women's gymnastics school. Um, you know, everything else will, will go along and do what they ever need to do. But uh, this just gymnastics team is, is special. There's a couple of special athletes in their, in their fifth years, and it, it's worth your while to, uh, to check this team out here in the next couple of months before uh, Rambler and Loper move on. And with that, we are at the end of another SkyU podcast. Uh, as always, continue to do the things that will keep you healthy and safe. Uh, and get you back to doing, uh, you know, the normal, as close to the normal as we can get in this world. Uh, and in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky you ma, row the boat.